Hi, welcome to the first episode of You Need to See This. Uh, I'm Marlena Goodman, and this is... Ian Buxunsky. He's already ashamed. Um, (laughs) uh, This is a podcast where two opinionated people, us, watch movies that... Do you want to start over? No, no, that's all. That's all good. I, I liked us. (laughs) <laughs> two other opinionated we're just we're just introducing them <laughs> um talk about movies that we've forced one another to see that one of us has a very strong opinion about either positive or negative our first movie is hairspray the original 1988 version it was my pick uh i i do have very strong opinions about it i love it when i was about 11 or 12 i watched it kind of obsessively i've probably seen it 10 times I don't that could be high that could be low I I've just lost track at this point I have not seen every John Waters movie but I love him as a figure as a director and also just as like a writer and bon vivant and before we find out Ian's opinion on the movie I want to sort of talk about how I've tried to introduce John Waters to you um let me know if I sort of get anything wrong in this story So I've sent you some, like, articles and snippets of books that John Waters has written, and I think you've enjoyed them, and you sort of like him also as sort of a storyteller, right? Yeah, he's interesting to me in that I feel like the theory of John Waters really (laughs) appeals to me, but especially as a filmmaker, I don't know how much the practice does. Yeah, so I remember you, if I recall correctly, you you did like some of those, like, humorous articles that he wrote but you weren't really interested in watching his movies and didn't think, or not even not interested, you didn't you didn't think you would like them, probably. Yeah, I'm not a person who really has a good understanding or generally has reacted positively much to things of the campy nature. Mm-hmm. So I, I just don't even fully know how to approach it. Yeah, so I, I was convinced that you would like John Waters, and I sort of went against my instinct. I should have just shown you my favorite John Waters movie first. That's Hairspray. Mm-hmm. It's not only one of my favorite John Waters movies, just one of my favorite movies, I think, period. But instead, I sort of tried to, like, get into your head and be like, what would be the movie that Ian Always would like? Always a mistake. And I went with a movie that I like, I quite enjoy, Polyester, which... I st- after rewatching it with you, I still really like it. I will say that it was weirder, not in content, but weirder in sort of format and filmmaking than I remember it. And probably if I had remembered how sort of strange, just sort of how weird it is, I probably would not have started you off on that one. But it, you didn't really click with it. No, not particularly. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I can't say like... I passionately disliked it, but it certainly didn't do much of anything for me. So we just watched Hairspray, which I think probably, that's that's how I was started on John Waters, and probably I should have just shown you the one I like best first, and that is Hairspray. And I'm about to find out if you enjoyed it. I, I really couldn't, we watched it together, and I... There certainly seemed to be moments that you enjoyed, but I couldn't read how you felt on the whole. And I'm a little frightened uh, about what your reaction will be. I will say I hadn't watched it in probably a couple of years. I still love it. Uh, Ian? It, it would be fun, I suppose, to start the first episode passionately fighting, but I thought it was mostly quite delightful. I, I oh my god! enjoy it. Oh, I'm so Clearly excited. Clearly started with the wrong John Waters, but uh. I don't know how many of his weirder films I particularly <laughs> want to watch now. I mean, we'll get into it. But yeah, no, I thought it was a lot of fun. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> and I mean, I, I guess part of it 
would be that this film seemed to have more of a purpose and more sincerity to mm. it. Like, I think the, the aspects of it that probably worked least were those same camp aspects that he's probably most well known for. I think, well, do you want to d- sort of point out some of those aspects that didn't work for you? Uh, I mean, you know, it's, h- it's hard to pinpoint certain yeah. jokes, but the ones that are sort of more broadly goofy, I, I don't like need this Like the sound be... effects. And... Yeah, the sound, yeah, the sound design actually even, you know, <laughs> wrote that down specifically, like, just like the, the lip stuff, the popping of the pimple yeah. stuff, whatever. Like, I totally get where that's coming from. That just doesn't do much of anything for yeah. me. I would say that for me... I enjoy, I'm amused by those aspects. I don't think those really add much to the whole movie for me. They're certainly not like my favorite. I I say it it adds a sort of strange environment to the whole thing, like sort of as well as the rat on Tracy's foot in the Mm -hmm. romantic scene. I I, I enjoy those little aspects, but they're not like the heart of the movie for me. Sure. Yeah, do you want to talk about what you did enjoy in it? (laughs) (laughs) Just the things I didn't enjoy. That doesn't sound like (laughs) Um, fun. Yeah, I sort of agreeing with, or I think we're agreeing, you saying it sort of felt like it had a purpose. Yeah, this is long after segregation ended, uh, 1988. It's still a moral cry and also a bit of a love letter to Baltimore and its weirdos, as many of his films are. But yeah, I I feel like it is, it's very sort of sincerely made. It's, it's, the Corny Collins show is based on the Buddy Dean show, Mm -hmm. which was a local Baltimore, like, teen dance show that, that John Waters really watched as a kid. He talks about in the commentary he really was like suspended or got in trouble at school for dyeing his hair platinum so i think this is really sincerely made from his childhood is that sort of what the feeling that you were responding to i think there are lots of genuine moments in this film and and i think for me the things that are not those really broad camp things are quite funny as well Mm -hmm. so I'm in no way needing this to be, you know, a a searing examination of race relations. (laughs) Like, this had to be Selma. I thought this was good. (laughs) That's not what I was looking for in any way. I just feel like it wouldn't have lost much of anything Mm -hmm. for me had it removed some of those elements. I understand that some of those elements are integral to him and maybe, like, meant a lot to him to put into the movie. So I'm not saying, like, it needed to lose them. Mm -hmm. But that's definitely not what I was responding to because I'm a square Sorry, we, we both took notes, you more than I, who knows how much we'll ever consult them. Not at all. But, but my first note, and what I have often thought about this movie, is Ricky Lake has sex appeal. And I, I think that is one of the things that really makes this movie work. In the, I think, 2007, 2006 remake of the of the Broadway musical movie, the, uh, the main actress, she's delightful, and she can sing and dance, and she's very pleasant, but she doesn't have that same, like sort of kind of really like is kind of a bad girl in this sort of apart from her sex appeal like she is transgressive but yeah I, I think that's a lot of what makes her a really wonderful actress in this is that yeah she's big but she is I think she is very sexy and that's sort of what adds a lot of fun and appeal to her character and I wonder if you in any way picked up on that or agree or disagree or don't yeah, no. care at all <laughs> not in the slightest moving on no I I, I do think that was something that I responded to as well. I haven't seen the 2007 version. I haven't seen the Broadway play Mm -hmm. musical or any other version of it. Would be interesting to see it for comparison, especially since that one was made on such a bigger budget. It was so much more mainstream, and I imagine a much bigger mainstream success. I mean, I know that one did well. I don't really know. I imagine this one had a fairly big cult audience at its time. Yeah, I mean, it was... Did it have any crossover towards a broader... 
I think sort of, uh, according to Wikipedia, the, uh, the like, home video market is, mm. like, where it did well. It certainly, like, it wasn't, like, a huge hit, but I think it did. It certainly brought John Waters more mainstream success than he had had before. Probably for another more mainstream director, it might not have been considered a big hit. But sure. for John Waters, it was, like, you know, this, like, family-friendly movie. Like, you know, my dad showed it to me when I was, like, 10 or 11. Yeah, and that as, like, makes a sense. kid, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, but w- one of the things I did write down and that I did really appreciate in it is that the Ricky Lake character, she's bigger, <laughs> yes. but there's no, I, I feel like even nowadays in the more, what you can say, progressive or feminist <laughs> or whatever else mm-hmm. films, if there is a fatter character, they might eventually come to appreciate their sexuality and their body and whatever else, mm-hmm. but it always have to, has to go through an it's arc a, of, yeah. oh, I'm sad that I'm fat. Oh, I can be beautiful too. And <laughs> yeah. th- there's no arc in this yeah. film about that whatsoever. Yeah, she Tracy. starts out in a place of having self-confidence and all of those things and just continues from yeah, there. Yeah, she, she never has a problem with her body and she yeah. shouldn't because she's hot. Yeah, sure, she gets the hottest boy. There's yeah. never a problem of, oh, what'll happen if we're seen in public together? Like, none of that is ever, it's taken as a baseline that she is attractive mm-hmm. and that she has self-esteem and we will go from there. Yeah, it's it's the one bitch in the movie who who is the one who, you know, calls her fat yeah, that and makes fun of her. dislikes. Yeah, and it's never a problem for anyone else. Because I can't think of any sort of mainstream movies at the moment, romantic comedies or what have you. You have Rebel Wilson in some of those, but she's always the fat, funny friend. And yeah. That, that's always played for laughs in those Pitch Perfect movies or anything of that mm-hmm. nature. So, like, this film might be 20-odd years old at this point, yeah. but it's not like that's something that we can even take for granted today. Mm-hmm. So that's something I certainly appreciated. Another gloriously revealing note is that uh, that I Wish I Were a Princess song uh, that plays early on. I continue to sing that in the shower to this day. So it's that... delightful. <laughs> oh, speaking of delights, Jerry Stiller <laughs> is an utter delight in this film. So he played Mr. Pinky in the in the remake. Did he? I that's can't what remember. I was that's what I read. Oh, I mean, I but certainly believe that. I don't understand why he did not play the husband again. Yeah, I mean I like Christopher Walken. Yeah, well but, enough, I, but I feel like Christopher Walken isn't significantly younger than no. Jerry Stiller. No, not particularly. Um I don't understand all of these remakes recasting the Jerry Stiller role. They had the taking of Pelham 123 again. <laughs> he should have just been the the, you know, the operator. Always Jerry Stiller. Um, he can still do it. Oh yeah, no, he's still he's still got verve, full of vim and vigor. But yeah, I think I've written fan fiction about John Travolta <laughs> and Jerry Stiller, so it's just my oh, own. your one chance. But yeah, I think he is just just a wonderful little ball of energy in this movie, and so sweet and supportive. I think he toes a very good line between the broader camp of it mm-hmm. and the. I don't want to say pathos. That seems a little heavy. <laughs> but the genuine, but, yeah, emo- the you know, genuine emotion. When when uh when Edna first sees Tracy on TV and is a little embarrassed that you know she's big as a house on TV and and he says she looks beautiful and, yeah and he delivers that line very sweetly. yeah I really like that moment yeah I, I also I like about the film it's it's very fast paced it does it's only an hour and a half almost exactly and it's got a lot of plot in it but. It takes a lot of time, I feel, and I'm sort of appreciating on this rewatch of it to just sort of revel in like the silly dances, um, particularly like the Madison. They take a while to just show them doing the Madison. And yeah, I mean, there's character development in a lot of those little dances, but there's just like a lot of a lot of little moments of just sort of like, let's appreciate the time and like 
Mr. Pinky, who, who during this whole movie I kept on just like giggling every time he appeared on screen. He isn't like an integral part of the story, but he gets he gets a bunch of little moments. And yeah, I feel like John Waters, I mean, clearly loves like the time and Baltimore, but really just like a lot gives those little side characters and the dances and sort of the setting like room to breathe. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's the little details that I think really add on to the the details I liked, not the ones (laughs) I didn't like, that really give the film a more Mm -hmm. specific feel and a sense of time and place. And most of it is fairly small because he's not working on a huge budget there. Mm -hmm. There aren't sweeping outdoor (laughs) scenes with cars from the 60s and all of that, but just the way the people speak, just the small details on the costumes. There's clearly something that is lived through in his own life and that he really understands and loves. Yeah. And so I I commented on it while we were watching. I I love that, you know, a lot of the extras, like all the the council members on the Corny Collins show, they really look like teenagers. And I imagine most of them... 30-year-olds. Yeah, I imagine most of them really were Ricky Lake. This was like her first big role Mm -hmm. and she was only 20. Yeah, I... Just like Baltimore teens. Yeah, I I imagine a lot of them were really just regular Baltimore teens. I I do... I want to talk about Divine for a second. Mm -hmm, Um, Sure. So this was Divine's last role and probably probably the one, you know, he's most known for. Mm-hmm. I would say it's sort of outside of John Waters' fanatics. He's he's more known for other role, for his more outrageous roles, I would say, but this is one of his more like Have you seen Pink Flamingos? I have not. Okay. I'm a little frightened. <laughs> um fair enough. Uh it's it's I'm going to get to it. Yeah, I I would say I haven't seen John Waters' most outrageous films. Mm-hmm. I I want to, but I I don't feel necessarily prepared for them. Um, yeah, I would say Pink Flamingos, Female Trouble, within the John Waters canon, is what he's more known for. Yeah. But sort of to the outside world, most people have probably seen him in this if they've seen him in anything. And I think I I, I also think in Polyester, it's a wonderfully sympathetic and genuine role. But I think as Edna Turnblad in Hairspray, he he really just like plays it straight almost. And John Waters talks about when he uh, Divine would just on breaks during filming walk around in his big house dress and the hair and and women in the neighborhood thought that he was just another housewife and be like, did you see they're filming a movie? And I think he he brings a lot of fun dimension to that character. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed him in the role as well. I thought the first scene or so with the ironing and whatnot, Mm -hmm. that was enjoyable, that was fun, but I was like, I gotta strap in for this. (laughs) It's very over the top, Uh it's very kind of arch or whatever. But I I felt like it really settled into a nice, fairly naturalistic groove and the emotional resonance in the mother and daughter relationship was definitely there. Yeah, I I definitely felt that. And I I like that, you know, they made the father and mother pro-integration and and once they sort of got used to the idea of of Tracy being on TV, which took them about five minutes. Uh, they were very, like, pro her, and, and that th- that wasn't really, like, a source of the conflict. Yeah. Like, I always love when, in one of the early scenes, Penny's mother comes in and is, like, shouting, and, and once Penny and her mother leave, Edna gives Tracy a look of just, like, these are insane people. And I like that there's this sort of acknowledgement within the world of, like, yeah, there are crazier people. Yeah. I was worried for a second that it was going to go in the same direction mm-hmm. with their relationship, too, after Penny's mother came in, and I was very happy that 
<laughs> it's not, not going to be this film, <laughs> at least wholly. But I, I, I do think the integration stuff, which is obviously one of the main points of the film, is quite interesting. And I, I thought maybe the film would tease it a bit further, but the lure of entertainment, the lure of Hollywood, whatever that may be, versus the things that actually need to be done. Mm-hmm. So you have that, I guess, more explicitly with, um, what's his name, the host of the... Corny Collins. Yeah, uh, Corny. Wanting to integrate, but also knowing that he can't because of the network heads or whoever mm-hmm. that was, the sponsors. I yeah. wasn't really fully sure. I th- he's, I think, the owner of the station. No, oh, okay. But I thought the early scene with Tracy was quite interesting in the black couple in front of her is wanting to get in, mm-hmm. and then they're not allowed, and she says, that's not fair. But the second she walks in there, she's kind of hypnotized by all of that. She yeah. forgets about it immediately. And later, obviously, she's more vocal about it, but I thought that first gaze into that world, suddenly all of these things that matter, they're not really that important anymore. And I mean, you still see her naivete about it throughout, like the line about, I wish I was African American, <laughs> yeah. or whatever else, like clearly not in any <laughs> way understanding. Our souls are black. <laughs> sure. Like, she means well, yeah. but obviously in no way understands all that encompasses. Yeah. She, oh, they dance, it's fun. But. <laughs> yeah, like, certainly as the film goes on, it sort of gets more big and grandiose and a lot of things are achieved, but I, I feel like the characters never stop being teenagers. They're always, you know, a little naive, a little silly, even if they sort of believe in these things, in, in integration and, and, you know, accepting yourself for who you are. That it's They do it in sort of loud, ridiculous ways ways and yeah sort of the most obvious like again that our souls are black even if our skin is white but yeah they are teenagers which is also a nice note and i think things of that nature are what make the camp all the more frustrating to me because Mm-hmm. Even that, I think, is a very finely drawn detail because lots of kids in films of this nature are in their teens or whatever else, but either acting like they're completely spoiled five-year-olds <laughs> or like they're 30-year-olds. Yeah. There's very few films that really capture the mentality and mindset of a teenager. And I think for the most part, this film balances that quite nicely. Yeah, I, I feel like they're they very strongly believe in these things but of course it took them like you know one day to have their minds like opened about integration and then they're all for it so you know they believe very strongly but their sort of beliefs can change very quickly and like with penny a lot of it is driven by just you know she's a very attracted to a black boy Uh, i also like the mother of the motormouth maybell yeah motormouth maybell i I thought that was interesting as well this woman who's kind of straddling the two Mm -hmm. worlds in a way and just the fact that she can only speak in rhyme. Like, she <laughs> yeah. realizes that maybe this is reading too much into it or whatever else, but <laughs> never. <laughs> never reading too much into it. That only through, like, playing the game and, like, giving them the entertainment value, what they want, can I actually achieve what I need. Yeah. There, there's almost a bit of the she'll slightly play at, well, I'm just an African-American mm-hmm. woman. There, there, there's a bit of that, oh, yeah. you know, hokiness to it or whatever yeah, you like, might say. Sort of two two moments with her that I really like are, the first, it's not like exactly a subtle moment because obviously we're it's sort not of. not exactly a subtle film, <laughs> which is <laughs> um, fine. But uh, when, you know, the black kids have been turned away from that big dance at the beginning and then Motormouth Maybell is there and it's sort of like, well, God, they're having a black entertainer there and they won't let black kids in. And also later in the film, when she's speaking in at the black venue mm-hmm. to the black teenagers, 
and she's still speaking in rhyme. Which I thought was an interesting choice. But when she's telling them to go to Tilted Acres and like cause a demonstration, it tur- the, it's still rhyme, but I feel like it turns into this very powerful chant hmm. of like segregation, no, no, no. Um, and so it's still in rhyme, but it doesn't have that like hokiness. It's more of like this like call to action. Yeah. No, I, I thought that was interesting as well. And she even elongates it a lot. Mm-hmm. If you're speaking in that rhythmical pattern, the nose would have to come quicker yeah. to work with the earlier line, <laughs> but she turns it more into that chant, mm-hmm. elongating that line, which I, I thought was interesting. And on that same point as she's working in there and none of the black kids are allowed in. Mm-hmm. It was also, I think, one of the white kids was like to the black child oh could you dance to this white singer's music yeah. of course everything they're dancing to is, <laughs> is, is black mostly, musicians yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean even debbie harry in a delightfully outlandish role you know she says to amber she's amber's mother you know did you have to pick like a black band song and, and amber is like well it has a good beat and you can dance to it like i certainly as as a viewer even though i feel like we're already sort of keyed into this is going to be a movie that makes points about segregation mm-hmm. and racism. Like, I wasn't thinking that when I was watching it of like, oh, isn't it funny that all these white kids are dancing to a black person's song? I sort of needed this racist woman <laughs> to point it out to me. <laughs> I think also the uh, the rapport between Tammy, Mink Stoll's character, Corny Collins' assistant, mm-hmm. um, and Mink Stoll is, you know, a staple in John Waters' films. Uh, I love her name. I'm going to assume it's her real one. Um, But I think she and Corny Collins have such a wonderful rapport. I think, you know, they're both tired all the time and sort of frustrated, both with the station management and the races around them, and also clearly from just having to deal with teenagers all the time, you know, having to point out, like, are you wearing falsies on TV? And after a very stressful demonstration outside the show, Corny just pulls out a flask and hands it to her, and he kisses her at the end. I just, I think that's such a... I, I feel like there is a, not significant, but like an age difference between them. I feel like yeah, Mink Stoll yeah, is older and like, I don't, I don't think there's like sexual tension between them, but I, there's like kind of flirtatiousness and like certainly an understanding between them. And I, I think it's fun having that between a somewhat older woman and a younger guy. And I mean, most of the things surrounding that show were quite interesting they're trying to present this to the teenagers as the ideal and everyone's having fun, but she's holding up the smile. Yeah. Know, everything is artifice, no matter where. And it's just interesting to watch that show and to think how, well, incredibly just passe it looks to us, obviously, but how incredibly passe it will look even in like 1965, 1966. Yeah. Yeah. You know, once you get the Beatles, <laughs> once just the sexual revolution comes in (laughs) and just how the late sixties, you know, here are all of these teenagers. This is what they're trying to fight for. But like, they are going to be so behind the times they're horrified by the beatniks. The thought of doing some (laughs) plot just completely terrifies them. So like, they're still kind of going to be the old guard, Mm -hmm. like in another five or six years, like, the, the rebellion is this dance and it's supposed to be a free expression, but simultaneously, they're all just dancing in line doing the exact same move <laughs> yeah. one after another. There's no actual freedom of motion. They say, we're going to do this new dance. It's hyper choreographed and then everybody <laughs> just gets in line and does the exact same yeah. dance behind them. So it's interesting to see just the way the tide shifts and how rapidly it does, not even from 
the mother to the daughter, but just how clearly, in less than half of a decade, if they stay vaguely the same as who they are, even with their racial integration, whatever else, the world's going to be a horrifying place to them. <laughs> like, they're going to have absolutely no place yeah. in it. And this I mean, is not a show that could exist in no. 1967, 68. And I, I feel like that's shown a little bit, like, when Penny and Tracy, after meeting the Beatniks, and yes, they are a little frightened by them, but they both love their big hair, but then they immediately go and, and iron their hair straight. And I, I think that sort of, again, plays into the being teenagers. Very impressionable, they, uh, sure. Yeah, but also that, as, as Edna says, the time they are changing um of just like how quickly things are changing and how they're just changing their views and their personalities and the world is rapidly changing in the early 60s and i think you know it it is supposed to be a little silly how much they sort of express themselves through their hair but also kind of poignant how certainly not just the teenagers but the adults around them are taking their style very seriously you know just a few years later you know adults would be raving that you know the Beatles had slightly shaggy hair and as I said before you know John Waters really got in trouble for dyeing his hair at school so it's not just these teenagers who are thinking like god you know I'm gonna express myself and be a hair hopper to the adults it says something about them not really much of anything to elaborate on but I did think that just the choice of and I think right after you know some of the black children were turned away mm-hmm. what a town without pity can do mm. <laughs> just a very yeah nice little touch yeah the music is the music is fun in this i i feel like you know sometimes it's just sort of used to to show the times but also it's it's emotional a little yeah i mean we talked about this before but sort of i just i love all the little side characters like the ones that are just sort of in it for a moment i, lo- I love john waters part as the crazy psychiatrist i doubt he is licensed john waters probably is but not the character <laughs> That's one of my favorite scenes, the scene where um, Tracy, Link, Seaweed, and Penny all leave the uh, the black venue uh, while mm-hmm. Tisama Call is singing. Like, I think it's a really great mix of humor and absurdity and genuine poignancy. Like, I love when the, like, drunk bum <laughs> walks by and sings along to the song beautifully and sort of has this moment with Seaweed of, like, acknowledgement and... You know, certainly the kids find it very romantic, but of course it's also fervent and ridiculous and in like a dirty gutter. And that's that's where we keep coming back to this line where Link says to Tracy, you know, our souls are black, even if our skin is white. And and Penny, I, I when I was like 12 or something, I had to explain to a friend what second base was uh-huh. uh, because of that scene. It, it sounds much more erotic based on his reaction to reaching <laughs> uh-huh. it. Well, they are like six. Sure, sure. But I, I would not want to know what it was when I was <laughs> eleven or twelve, just based on that reaction. Let me, let me have my innocence for a few more years. <laughs> it comes at such a cost. Anything else to say? Any, any final notes? Final notes. Final notes. <gasps> Everyone's favorite segment. Final notes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's how you know that it's winding down. <laughs> when I divulge, when the descent into I, madness becomes complete. When I start singing the theme song, so help me if our next if our next movie does not have a theme song. Ooh, that's gonna be a <laughs> that's gonna be a tough one for me. A movie I really love that also has a theme song. But I, I'm I'm happy. So so you enjoyed this? Yes. No, I did enjoy it. I am glad to have seen it. I did not. I did not know what I would think, mm-hmm. but I certainly thought there was a good chance I would not enjoy it. <laughs> I, I felt the same way. Like, I felt like I felt like it's a really fun movie. Like, you don't have to be 
a John Waters sort of camp cult devotee to enjoy it, but but I also wasn't I just genuinely wasn't sure what to expect and and I still love it and I'm very very happy that you enjoyed it. Do we call this one a success? Yeah, no, I would call this are, are we going to have a rating system? Um, why not? Why not institute a rating system right now that we will abandon? Perfect. Okay. What would Is you it, rate? I don't know, would it be no, it doesn't even need to be, like, on a star rating, but it yeah, could just, just be, like, a vague kind of, like, yay, neutralish, I'm gl- I'm boom, glad but something I, that sounds good. I'm, are you glad you watched this? Yes, I'm glad I watched okay. this. Okay. I'm, I'm glad that you're glad you watched this. <laughs> it would have to be, like, unless the movie you choose is both something profoundly culturally insignificant <laughs> and just detested by me i think i will i want to go into this with an open mind both because it's something you like and just generally i want to see more things so it's it'll be quite a day when i say (laughs) i am just i feel like 90 minutes of my life died listen up next week when we review pootie tang (laughs) yes my favorite film I, I enjoy it. I, I am not, I, I'm not going to have you watch it. Wait, I think, yeah. Oh, is that a series? I've never oh, seen it. Oh, it is a movie. Louis C.K. directed it. Oh, I'm it. well aware. Um, oh, okay. Uh, I, I wasn't sure if you were saying you didn't know what it was. No, um, I knew what it was. I just no. had never seen it. I watched it a long time ago. I enjoyed it at the time. Although on a similar note, we did seriously discuss uh, re-watching the Ali G movie together. Or Yeah, I mean, if you want, that'll be one of your choices. The Ali G movie. <laughs> Yes, you have to be proper and... I, I, when I was 13, I sure enjoyed it. I, I saw it. I thought it was... Also around that age, I thought it was all right. When I saw Borat in theaters, that did a number on me. I was laughing hysterically. <laughs> God knows what I think of it now, but... Uh, I don't want to watch it again. You saw Borat? Oh, yes. I saw it in theaters. Team America World Police I saw in theaters. I that saw Borat wonderful. in theaters with my dad. It was quite an experience. I saw it with my mom. Word two sides of the same coin (laughs) yeah it'll be a nice mix especially if the things i choose are more self-serious pretentious fare if you can keep living and ing it up oh yeah wayne's world totoro (laughs) and just from me just a serious man on repeat. On repeat. I think it's very funny. That is, that is what inspired this show. Why my... Yes, if you've made it 37 <laughs> minutes in. Uh, well, hey, after hey, we edit yeah, it, it'll we're be about edit... 14 seconds. Yeah, so if you've made it this far, what inspired this show was that uh, Ian quite enjoys the film A Serious Man. Oh, I love I it. You love it? Okay. Oh, yeah. I think it's um, one of probably their... Th- three best films well and my my genuine favorite movie is oh brother where art thou also a coen brothers movie but um one of their more humorous ones and agree to disagree i <laughs> i i had wa- i i have watched oh brother where art thou many times i think you had only watched it had you only watched it once yes um, i had only seen it once before i i had only seen a serious man once i really hated it um i would say your feelings on oh brother were pretty like neutral, neutral. yeah no i didn't um, in any way detest it i just yeah. <laughs> and we so we had discussed this many times and we decided to have a, a mini marathon where we watched a serious man and oh brother art thou in the same day and tried to sort of convince each other and i, I would say minds were somewhat changed yeah no i think it was a successful evening. yeah I, I i don't i still don't think i would say i like a serious man i think on the second rewatching, particularly the second rewatching with you and talking about it with you, I, I have grown to to appreciate its mysticism and, and weirdness 
to, to accept the mystery. Uh, there we are. That's, <laughs> that's all I ask. Um, and I, I think you enjoyed. Yeah, no, I certainly went from like mildly negative to neutral to at least some affable feelings. This was fun. Yeah. 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 So um, we both grew a little, learned a little, loved a little. We've, we've regressed since then, but yeah, it's the worst yeah. thing I've ever seen in my life. So thank you for listening to the first episode of You Need to See This. I'm I'm happy we've done it. I'm happy you liked Hairspray. Yeah, no, I'm happy that we watched it. I hope we will both have a chance to see some films we otherwise would not through this experience. And maybe next time we'll have a violently hateful reaction. It's more likely to happen with something I love, I think, <laughs> than something you love. I think you're more likely to really hate. Well, I think... You might have a neutral reaction to films that I love, sure. but I, I, think, I think I hate much I less easily than you. That do. that neutral reaction will inspire me to hate you. That's fair. Um. So so something it'll all come out. But uh, I I think despite our cordiality this episode, I, I like to think we had an interesting discussion, and I like hopefully, hopefully, yeah, yeah. Well, that was the first episode of You Need to See This. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. You can find links to whatever we will end up doing with this since <laughs> we do not have it all figured out quite yet in our show notes, but by then we will be by then, astute professionals. Yeah, by then uh, it will be up on the internet, so it will have a link to itself. <laughs> uh, and also hopefully a Facebook and or Twitter account. If you're already on it, for the love of God, do not clink on the link to itself or you will enter a perpetual <laughs> Maybe we'll route. have uh, an Elo account. Remember that? No, I have no idea what that is. The, the, the hipsters, they'll get it. The, the, okay, yeah. sure. I, I'm a little bit out of it. Um, but yeah. let, let's go with that. Yeah. And I hope you join us next time. Is Hairspray streaming anywhere? Do we know that? We have no idea. We have not done our due diligence. If we find out, that will also be in the show notes. You can so buy just, it. On a New Line DVD, I'm pretty sure New Line doesn't exist anymore, but maybe they still make DVDs. Can you get it on Betamax? (laughs) Well, there will be a cornucopia of useless information (laughs) such as this in our show notes, so look forward to that. And next time we will be discussing the 1942 Ernst Lubitsch film, To Be or Not To Be. Secrets! We've already watched it! Don't, Don't break the illusion. There's like a... I broke it. I broke it. Okay, well... Tune in. Yeah, I I guess. (sighs) All right. We are recording. Blue Snowball. Blues, indeed. Blue Snowball. It's actually what Citizen Kane was. Wasn't the sled, it was Blue Snowball. Okay. It just sounded like Rosebud to me for some reason. Blue Blue Snowball. snowball. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the snow globe and anyway.